Hey, this is Sebastian Bach, and you've got to tune to Iron City Rocks. Turn it up. Hey, this is David Ellison from Megadeth, and you are here with Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Christy Majors from Pretty Boy Floyd, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Episode 359 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. We've got two bands on episode 359, three uh, musicians jo- joining us in total. Uh, we have joining us Christy Majors of the band Pretty Boy Floyd, who have got a great new album called Public Enemies coming out. And we introduce you to a band called All Good Things. We have Liz Hopper and uh, Dan Murphy, a vocalist for the band, joining us to talk about that really cool band. But we're going to talk first about uh, Pretty Boy Floyd, a band from, obviously, from the kind of glam days of the 80s. Their first album, Leather Boys with Electric Toys, kind of came out just a hair too late to become a huge album in that era. Certainly would have, I think, if it had come out maybe two years sooner. Uh, But uh, Steve Summers and Christy Majors have kept the nucleus of the band alive and have a really cool new album called Public Enemies out now, uh, which will be coming out actually, I'm sorry, in December. Uh, so we want to give a chance to give you a listen to the first single. This is called We Got the Power. We're going to talk to Christy Major.
Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have from Pretty Boy Floyd, Christy Majors on the line. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, John. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Um, you are on the eve of a release of Public Enemies, a, a fantastic uh, album on a, if I'm not mistaken, the first with Frontiers Records, um, who are hopefully going to give the album a really great push. Um, so I want to congratulate you on the album. And um, I guess why now? What got you with Frontiers? You know, why new album now? Uh, well, thanks for the compliment. Very first off, and then. Uh, why now is we actually I actually started working on this record in like 2012 with 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 Steve, and um, and we had like a little I guess you could say like a little brotherly love kind of uh, break, mm-hmm. and um, and then during that time, uh, you know, Frontiers had contacted our uh, agency, and um, they were signing a couple of the bands like LA Guns and a few other ones, and uh, they were just in Pretty Boy Floyd and. So we closed the deal with them, and uh, a year later we finished the record, and uh, we thought it was a great opportunity. And Frontiers is a, a, a great label, so um, yeah, we said let's do it. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, it you guys have been sort of kind of under the radar really your whole career. Uh, I think that you know the people who love the band, you know, in 1988, 1989, are gonna love this new record because I mean honestly, it feels like. You know, at the very beginning, as I, I believe, unless I'm totally misunderstanding, a little homage to Leather Boys with Electric Toys right in the first track. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think that w- it was brilliant because, you know, as a, such a fan of that album, you know, I remember cruising around in the car listening to it. To hear that little choral part there in that album really just drew me back in. I was like, wow, you know, it just sucked me in all. And then the songs have such a sonic. Similarity, you know, you guys don't sound like you're trying to alter your sound, do it differently. This sounds right out of the same bolt of fabric, so to speak. Um, was that intentional? Are you guys just really true to your guns, or did you have to say, you know, let's make an album that sounds like the classic, you know, sort of lineup? Or well, we, you know, we worked really hard on trying to make this record sound like it came from, you know, 1988. Mm-hmm. And if you just like, you know, throw it in your car closed your eyes you felt like you you know you were in a time warp or something you know and uh that's what we set out to do and uh we tried to capture that whole vibe and everything you know and uh you know it's hard obviously since so many years later but um i hope the fans feel like we did and obviously you know the intro um yeah i definitely wanted to pay some respects to uh leather boys with electric toys Mm -hmm. so i came up with that intro and uh i thought it was a, a cool way to lead into the album to get the mindset yeah, and mission accomplished there, Christy. Um, is is it a, a guarded secret what SATA stands for, or is there a, did that just go way over my head? It's uh, you know what it's uh, it's, a, it's I guess it's a secret between me and Steve right now, but okay. uh, you know I mean it's just like one of those type of things that like uh, you know what does NIB stand for? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, you know. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, as far as gear um, to get, I mean, you you had a very um, kind of a, a, a I almost say like a brittle guitar sound back in the eighties. Um, did you go back to the same kind of rig, or, or how did you dial in to get such a similar sound at this point? Uh, well, that first guitar tone was uh, by accident um, and kind of a disaster kind of guitar tone that Howard Benson uh, produced. Uh, <laughs> 
I can't take full responsibility mm-hmm. for her. Um, uh, this, uh, this new record, uh, we, you know, obviously we recorded, recorded everything in Pro Tools. So, um, obviously take, take a little bit more time in getting sounds and, mm-hmm. uh, making sure everything sounds, uh, great. I think, uh, the guitar sounds are a little bit more, a little more well-rounded on this, uh, album. And, um, you know, uh, it's hard to get those big drum sounds, you know, um, like the Leather Boys record, you mm-hmm. know, that was recorded in like, um, I think, uh, the, some, something like the Bear, Bear something, I don't know, it was, I think it was, in, uh, it was where Cinderella had recorded a lot of their stuff, it was okay. a giant gymnasium with rocks, and I think it was, it was in Pennsylvania, somewhere, I just can't remember where, um, but yeah, you know, unless you have that natural reverb and that natural bash, but you know, you try to, you try to duplicate all those kind of sounds, you know, um, with what you have and what you can work with, you know, and the budget that you're working on and everything. And, uh, you know, yeah, we worked really hard on that. And uh, Cameron Webb did an amazing job uh, mixing the record and trying to capture that vibe as well, too. Yeah, and it came off, I think, very well. Um, Budget-wise, just to give folks, you know, kind of an idea, um, do you have an idea of the, the magnitude of what it costs to make Leather Boys what it, versus what it costs to make Public Enemies? I mean, just to give people a sense of, you know, sonically, I think, you know, obviously recording has come a long way in the technology of, of multi-track recording especially, but, I mean, the cost obviously has come down so tremendously. I mean, do you have an idea of how much less this album costs to make? Uh, Leather Boys, I think we had uh, I think we had a $250,000 recording budget, which is just absurd when I think about it now. Yeah. It's like, damn. Uh, so ridiculous to spend that kind of money back then. Uh, and this one, let's say it was uh, less than ten percent of that. Right, and, and you know the results. You know, uh, you know. I don't think anyone's going to go and boy, that sounds like they just recorded this new one on a Tascam four track or something like that. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's staggering to hear you know the amount of money that that went into making some of the you know you talk to the Dawkins and the, the bands of the world that you know millions of dollars that went into these albums. And then, you know, you're killing yourself trying to recoup that by, you know, t- literally touring all over the planet to pay the bank back, which bank, I mean, record company. Um, you know, it's such a more economical, you know, in some respects, the 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 bloatedness of the, the music industry having to come to an end has really made m- more efficiencies in, in recordings, and that's good. Um, yeah, it's, p- it's great, you know. I mean, obviously... You know, in today's world, the uh, digital world that we're in, obviously, you don't sell as many records as mm-hmm. you used to uh, as well back in the day. So, um, you know, if you had to recoup those recording budgets nowadays, it would, it would be impossible. Yeah, you, you know, would. as soon as you put something out, it's, a, it's on, you know, .ru, .something, .eu, .somewhere, you know, yeah. for free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now, uh, but uh, if only we could find, you know, the original albums you know some of those are so hard to get and so sought after to get on physical media anymore um have you guys been approached by any you know the the companies that kind of do the reissues to do those or does mc was it mca that you guys were on mca yeah MCA, do they actually, own no well, I, they own they own that but um actually um and next year i'm actually uh, uh i had my attorney mm-hmm. uh getting the rights back for me on that record because that's one that yeah you, you know because uh you, you know obviously um 
in perpetuity does not it, it, it doesn't exist it's not a law you know hmm. exactly so if you if you notify uh, a company that you know you intend to you know receive your rights back and they're no longer manufacturing pressing or promoting it you know you can get those rights back well, that would be fantastic to see that you know back out on a you know an independent release or or whatever you may do to to, to re-release it would be a, a wise move because you know one of those ones that you pay through you know it's like the first Badlands album you pay through your nose to get a hold of it now um, I, exactly you know and I, I don't I don't think a lot of bands realize that they can go back and actually get the rights back to their records mm-hmm. um, you know and the record labels are not going to fight them unless of course you know you were like you know U2 or you know, uh, you know, million, you know, million record seller every single year. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're just probably just going to get the letter and be like, "Fine." Yeah, but we um, didn't even know that the record was in our catalog. We forgot about that. Yeah, um, <laughs> can you talk a- about how how you came to work with Kerry Kelly? Um, obviously, kind of known for his work with Alice Cooper, etc. Oh, Kerry Car- Kelly. Well, Kerry Kelly has been uh, a friend uh, that we've known for. God, forever, you know, and actually, he was playing in the Pretty Boy Floyd for a while back in like 19, I think, 19, you know, maybe it was 97, okay. 97, for a couple of years, you know, he, um, we recorded this Porn Stars record, and he was on that one, and he was, uh, we were doing some dual, dual guitar stuff, and I wasn't playing full-time in the band, so, um, and then I wasn't playing, it was just Carrie by himself playing in Floyd, and then... Then he went on and kind of like was starting to get other gigs, you know, with uh, Warren and like Guns and uh, Alice Cooper and the Night Ranger and all that other stuff and everything. So, um, uh, so Kerry just uh, he's got this uh, killer little studio in his house and it's a great place to go uh, do the drums. So we went there to do the drums and the basic tracks and uh, yeah, it came out great. Yeah. Now, when, when you're set to release an album like this, you know, as, as an artist who's been around, you you know, you've been at this professionally for decades now. Um, but this is really, you know, kind of the first studio release, you know, with new material we've gotten from you in, in a, quite a while. Does do you get kind of nervous when you put that out there now? You know, sort of presenting yourself to the world again after this amount of time. No. No, actually, not with this one. Um, we felt that, uh, you know, we had captured uh, the right thing. And, you know, obviously, you know, we're not like, we, we weren't looking for anybody's uh, seal of approval. Mm-hmm. And Pretty Blood Floyd has always been kind of like the underdog kind of band anyway. And um, so we knew we were doing something right by uh, doing something wrong, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well well <laughs> said. Know? Well said. Um <laughs> Do you, do you plan on doing some touring in, in the new year with this, or what what kind of touring plans have you set in motion, or that you can make public at this point? I should say. Yeah, we, well, we've been you know we've been waiting for this record to come out you know before we were go, uh, really going to um, see how it was received and uh, and see how uh, Frontiers was going to help uh, promote it as mm-hmm. well before we were going to make uh, some touring plans. So. Right now, you know, we have some uh, festival dates lined up for 2018, and hopefully uh, we're going to try and do some more record release parties in a few other states um, besides the one we're doing at the Whiskey. And then, um, and then we, you know, we want to try to get over to uh, Mexico and South America and Australia and Europe uh, uh, all within 2018, so hopefully we can uh, accomplish that. Yeah, so obviously you're going to have a very busy year. Um, one of the things that I, I often wonder, you know, with some of the bands that came from, you know, right around the time that you guys broke out with the debut album, um, you know, the, the the whole genre was, you know, maybe 
starting to lose some steam from the record companies at least I won't say musically I think some of the best stuff came out in the very late 80s but it seemed like the record companies as a whole kind of stopped promoting it all at one time um, were there countries that that the band really caught on more than in the US or how was the band promoted internationally do you feel uh, you know, I don't know how the band was actually promoted internationally uh, because we spent the majority of our time here in the okay. United States. Um, but uh, at the time, I mean, I know we had um, we had some big champions over in uh, in the UK, like uh, Crane Magazine and Metal mm-hmm. Hammer, and a couple of those other mags that were really gave glowing reviews to the Leather Boys record and. Um, we were getting some radio play over in the UK. I think our song was uh, charting there and everything. And we didn't find out the you know the extent of it until we actually went over there um, like uh, a few times, and then mm. we were like, "Oh, it's pretty cool." Yeah, it is interesting so, to see. Um, this, you know, certain parts of the world seem to, to gravitate to certain bands, and it's always interesting to see. You know, this band's huge in well, Japan, you, or this one got big in Brazil, or you know, it's just. Big in Belgium? Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> hey, big Anywhere is... is big in called. Belgium. Big in Belgium. Singles. The movie Singles. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so um, hopefully we'll... Yeah, we'll we, were never, we, we didn't have like uh, any of those places where we had a, a platinum record or anything like that, so right. uh, we, we can't say we were like big anywhere. But, uh, we, you know, what we did have was we definitely had this more of like uh, grassroots kind of like underground uh, following mm-hmm. um, niche market that always kind of like existed. Yeah, and I think I think I probably fall into that you know that you know sort of thing where like as I said to you before we started the interview off air, you know I bought the first album literally without hearing it, just saw the album cover, thought this has got to be good, you know, and and loved it. And then you know you pick up the new release, um, you know even the releases in between, and you guys have always made a very consistent product, Um, you know hopefully with you know the muscle of Frontiers. behind you guys you know this is a chance for you guys to make some good inroads and, and get the word out about the band I think a lot of people are going to f- fall in love with it if they get a chance to hear it yeah you know I've, I've been reading some comments uh, you know through social media and everything and people say like wow it sounds like you know like, this record hasn't skipped a beat since other boys uh, mm-hmm. the other boys record and stuff so a lot of people are really you know digging that we stayed you know true to our roots and, and uh, they're digging that kind of sound that we made sure that we put on this record and um, and you know, we tried to make a, a cool album cover as well. You know, um, mm. we went for like kind of like the the gangster. Tried to play a poor gangster in the end of it, and but we also tried to make it kind of look like a comic book and everything. You know, I mean, I miss the days of going, like you said, going into a record store and picking up an album and just be like, oh, this is a cool album cover. I mean, I remember when I bought you know Iron Maiden, I'd never heard of them before. Mm-hmm. And then when I bought the Kiss album, I've never heard of them before either. You know, these, these are all bands that never got played on the radio, you know? Uh, and, uh, yeah, you just used to go into a record store and just, you know, shop around and get lost in there for a while and go home and listen to them and be like, oh, my God, I love this band. Yeah. That, that was me with, with your album 10 years, probably 10 years later. So, um, uh, <laughs> wow. But anyway, uh, the Chris, good old, the good old days. I really yeah. miss. I, yeah, I miss record stores. I wish we had them again. But uh, oh well. Yeah, it's it's more fun than scrolling through a website looking at albums, you know. But uh, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's so yeah, it's so it's so uh, impersonal, you know. Uh, you just don't have that. Uh, I used to love it. Like maybe when I was a kid, I just you know 
riding my bike uh, down to the store. You know, I'd get some allowance money or something, and I would go and I'd grab like my, you know, my favorite magazines, and I'd pick up one album, mm-hmm. and then I'd go there, have a slice of pizza, and then I'd sit there and read about like all these new bands, and um, and that was the way you like pretty much discovered music back then, because you yeah. know none of those bands were getting played on the radio. Absolutely. You know, rock and roll. Well, rock and roll was not popular uh, on the radio. Yeah, I remember buying albums literally because of the producer, because I would be like, okay, you know, this guy made an awesome album last time with this band. You know, obviously they've got a great ear for what they're doing. I'm going to go buy that. You know, I was the guy who followed the producers. Um, but Right. And it, I think people having the ability to change, you know, the, the iPhones and the iPods and all that are, are wonderful technology to take the music with you, but sometimes it makes it so easy to skip around, you know, where... 30 years ago you bought that CD you bought that cassette whatever and you put it in your car and you might have two or three in your car total so you really got intimate with that material because you weren't flipping around through 30 different albums while you were out with your buddies right so right right so this is definitely a whole different ball game I mean I remember uh, yeah I used to I mean I remember I used to you know uh grab some weed or something like that and just, you know, <laughs> yeah. put an album on and just be like, yeah, this is awesome. I can as loud as I can, you know. And, uh, yeah, this is the good old times. So it seems like, uh, yeah, people are so, uh, I, there's so many things to be uh, in the way of uh, making more, making music more personal and, and more, uh, and creating your fan base. uh mm-hmm that way again you know exactly well Christy I don't want to keep you all day I appreciate um, your time the, the new album comes out December 1st um, I imagine you'll be able to get that will you guys have that up on your website as far as physical product obviously it'll be available for downloading through all the normal yeah, sites yeah it'll be available downloading I know it's available on Amazon it's available for Frontiers it's available through Spotify I think uh, you know pretty much every place that you can get music uh, Frontiers is pretty good at uh, making sure that uh you know, you, the music is you can get it everywhere. It's also available on vinyl through the Frontier Shop as well. So if you want awesome. to get on vinyl, so you can get it on vinyl. So, awesome. and uh, yeah, we will have it up on the website, and we'll be selling it at the shows as well too. Cool. So hopefully, we'll get a show out towards uh, the Midwest sometime in the new year, and we look forward to seeing when you get out this way. Okay. Right on. Thank you. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate the support. Oh, my pleasure, man. Take care. All right, thank you to Christy Majors of Pretty Boy Floyd again. Public Enemies will be out December 1st on Frontier Records, which will be available worldwide, so it'll be good to get a chance to get that. And hopefully, as you mentioned in the interview, Leather Boys with Electric Toys might get a reissue at some point, a proper reissue, uh, where we could actually find it in a store, which would be really cool. Um, we're going to turn our attention now to a very different kind of music, um, more of a more modern uh, hard rock band called All Good Things, who have done... Um, kind of a project that's been around for a little while uh, doing some really cool music uh, used in different uh, mediums like uh, movies and and video games etc so we have Liz and Dan Murphy uh, of the band coming on to talk about this band which has also featured um, some work with Phil X who is in Bon Jovi right now and some other musicians so we're going to play you a track from All Good Things this is called Machines and we're going to get into that interview with Liz and Dan
They would take us far from home, far from all the things we know. Used to feel my body shake, I won't ever break another bone. We ran out of luck, I know. Now we're indestructible. There's nothing more you can do. So run if you want to. Cause we are machines. City Rocks. From all good things, we have Liz and Dan on the line. How you doing, guys? 
Hey. Good. How's it going? It's going fantastic. Um, you guys have just dropped a, a fantastic new record, Machines. Um, but I wanted to kind of rewind first and have you guys kind of explain how the band works and, and who you guys are. Um, you know, because I think you guys have sort of an interesting story. So can we start kind of at, you know, when the band came together, what the purpose was for all good things? Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I moved here from Montana to LA, <clears throat> to Los Angeles with my band back in the day, and then I just kind of met Andrew and Liz through mutual friends, a bunch of LA musicians, and uh, started writing with them. It wasn't necessarily all good things, but we kind of uh, worked together for a couple of years and came up with an idea of coming up with some epic, heavy, driving rock band that we always wanted to start, so it kind of just was talk for a while, and then it became a real thing. So. Uh, yeah, I think it's been three years ago we started writing some of the first All Good Things tracks, three, four years ago, and it's kind of finally developed into, uh, you know, a couple of records later, put out a new full length, and it's uh, it's been fun. It's been a good few years. Now, um, do you guys do touring, or is that something that you're looking at doing for uh, this particular record? Going to get to that point. Um, yeah, we've been playing together for ages, um, you know, working on different projects, whatever, and uh, we... Uh, when we started making this music, you know, we're massive like, hockey fans, so mm. we wanted to, you know, write music that was kind of the same kind of music you listen to when you go and see a hockey game, whatever. Yeah, and um, so we've made this music, and then it started getting picked up, used in uh, like movies and uh, WWE games, yeah. started using it, um, and we just had this like organic following kind of develop and. So we never really expected to even be able to tour it. We were just like making the music for fun because we loved yeah, it. Yeah, so to be honest, it was always like a dream of mine. We're, like she said, we're all talkie fans, so I think a huge part of it for me was just I wanted to write some anthemic, heavy, cool rock stuff that'll get you pumped at a game or whether you're watching a game or you're trying to go out and work out or, you know, sweat it out. It's just cool pump-up music that we wanted to kind of... We all had a mutual idea and it all kind of came together to uh, become all good things. Yeah, that's it's cool you mentioned that because I know uh, it is fun uh, uh, being a, kind of a metalhead and a hockey fan. I live in Pittsburgh, so that kind of goes without saying. Congrats, you had a good couple of years. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, it has been a, it has been a good couple of years. But you you listen to you know arenas around the country, and I pay attention to that. And hockey always interjects. You know, who are they playing? You know, it was yeah. kind of like Skillet kind of came onto my radar that way. You know, it was so cool when you know Joe Satriani or you know everyone's. Yeah. You'll hear some of that stuff, so it's it's a cool idea because you're right. I mean, you love that kind of music that just gets you going. Yeah, um, exactly. As people who work in the industry, um, you guys have mentioned you you work in different musical areas, and it looks like everybody kind of in the band has worked with other people. I mean, how do you, as professional you know professional musicians, keep yourselves busy and and kind of keep income coming while working on stuff like this? I mean, is that difficult? Um, I think that. The income thing for music and playing, you know, live as a DIY band is always kind of difficult, but I think um, we've been doing so many different projects and different bands over the years. We've been in so many different bands combined between the five of us that it's like we're all used to juggling the different genres. I mean, I've got a couple of different bands myself, you know, mm-hmm. done the same thing herself, but it's, we're just kind of, it's been years and years of juggling music and trying to make it work. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's always a struggle, but nothing to complain about. Dan's, Dan's very modest too. Like Dan's a great writer, and Dan and I have been writing together for the last couple of years, and we've uh, been writing for other artists as well. And um, 
we've you know uh, managed to get a bunch of cuts on different artists as well and so mm. I think it diversifying you know you gotta you gotta write you gotta play you gotta uh, get out there and tour you gotta uh, YouTube you gotta you yeah, know you've got to do everything I think you've got to be a lot more active and um, I think if you're active you know there's a chance to make money from you know the music industry but yeah which is yeah. awesome because we've actually been able to get a little more active recently because now that the band's got a little more exposure we're able to finally do a music video and you know yeah. push more than we have in the past so hopefully kind of take it to the next level over the next year or two yeah and we're totally hoping to tour in the new year and um, get on some festivals and stuff so that's kind of our main drive at the moment is is trying to you know connect work out where all our fans yeah. are and and uh yeah. and, shows. and play some shows yeah as far as um, revenue streams when it comes to a band, and I'm always interested with when, when new bands. You know, I just got off the phone with a, a classic rock artist, and it was a totally different world. Um, when you when you look at a single, um, you know, you you might put out. You you think, okay, this is you know the best song on the album. If you had your druthers, would you rather have it be a YouTube hit, a Spotify hit, or picked up by let's say an EA Sports game? Which which one helps? Pay the rent. The best. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. I think my personal answer would be EA Sports game. I don't think that would be where the money's at, but I would just be stoked to see that in there. But um, I mean, honestly, just I'm I'm a big Spotify fan. I know that you know it's changed the whole, you know the whole world. It, music industry's been so different because of it. But honestly, it's really cool because it's exposed me to so many different artists just through recommended artists. And and once you get going on there, all the crazy Spotify algorithms will start recommending your your band and all mm. sorts of people that wouldn't hear you otherwise so i'm a big spotify supporter i think that they're great um i know we've had a lot of good support on spotify i got a few million streams on there and uh i know it's definitely exposed us to a lot of new fans so I don't know, i'm grateful for the whole spotify movement i think it's been good yeah it, it is nice um you know i know with with what we do you know you get millions and millions and millions of check this album out check this album out it's nice yeah. to be able to just you know, as opposed to downloading the album, you know, getting it transferred to your iPod, um, to just be able to hit Spotify and do that. Um, yeah. I've always kind of advocated, even if you own the album, go buy the album and then play it on Spotify and give the artist some more money. You know, pay them for the physical product and then get them some royalties from the downloads. Awesome, dude. You're, what do we owe you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think that would be point zero three cents, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> is the uh, is the algorithm Spotify is using. Exactly. Maybe yeah. less. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're really pretty lucky in that we, I, I guess, at the moment because we're independent. You know, we mm. uh, do a profit share with a like a little label at the moment, and uh, so yeah, you, we even though you know we're just still an up and coming band, we're you know we're doing okay. So uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's less about the money and more just getting pumped on seeing all these streams around the world. It's just uh, yeah. for me, this is just a different project because a lot of my bands have only kind of been you know United States exposure and whatnot but this one just seems to be overseas a lot of it a lot of it's strong in europe and uh, you know just a you know wide variety of fans it's been really cool to see and so yeah. crazy to like uh, have people reaching out to us from places that you know tiny little like yeah yeah Colombia, Tbilisi, russia, Georgia, russia, russia and, and everywhere yeah. switzerland like it's been it's been fun just meeting all these people absolutely now um as far as producing the album i mean the album sounds fantastic um do you go into like a traditional studio still or is this more of a um uh, pro tools sort of do it in the living room kind of album i mean how do you how do you how do you put the albums together 
Um, we actually uh, did the whole album uh, at Emerald City Studios, which is here, which is where we are now, which is okay. uh, yeah. in LA. And um, yeah, uh, the album was produced um, uh, mostly by um, Andrew, who's the guitarist. And Andrew's and, a like phenomenal producer. He, I, I've been working with Andrew and Liz on a bunch of projects, like I said, over the years. But um, they're both super, super talented producers, and uh, Andrew especially. I mean, he's He's a real great guitarist, and you know he's got a real good ear. So, uh, yeah, Andrew did like most of the production on this. Liz did a ton of it too, but um, yeah, I think he crushed it. Yeah, it does sound really, really good. Um, the as far as you mentioned the the um, working with a label, I mean, as far as distribution goes, I mean, is that do you kind of let the label do that, or do you guys? Um, do you find you're moving more product through Facebook and things like that? Or well, the thing is, we're not we're not printing physical albums right now so we're kind of okay. digital um I mean, you can pick up a physical on amazon if you want but we're kind of mainly focusing on the digital and the streaming and everything mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, yeah i don't know you got any input on that list um well yeah i mean at the moment uh we're we're kind of making it up as we go yeah. you know we <laughs> we we're just so excited that like pe- we made this music and people are digging it and so we're like but like you know, we started out with with making the music, and um, it started you know popping up in different places. People started asking you know if they could use mm-hmm. it in like different show, TV shows and everything. And then people started saying, "Where can we buy this?" And we're like, "Wow, you know." Yeah. So we've yeah. kind of been rolling with it as it goes, and uh, uh, you know, so yeah, uh, we're, yeah, we're figuring it out. I think it's you know, we're totally saying. making it up as we yeah. go. There's a lot of people that have been uh, you know. We have a um, a girl, uh, Natalie Conway, who's from uh, Tags. She's like a publicist, and she's mm-hmm. been fantastic, really helping us out, um, kind of getting uh, that reach across the across the ocean, and you know, hitting the the European territories and everything, connecting us with like with wonderful people like you. And um, mm-hmm. so, um, there's also like a lot of cool, um, you know, like YouTubers and stuff that we found. This girl Jenny Twenty specifically like has a huge uh, like gamer fan base uh she posts a bunch of epic rock stuff that really kind of gets people that love this kind of heavy epic uh rock stuff to mm-hmm. find fans like us so uh that's been a lot of help it's a lot of uh people just kind of spreading the word organically and sharing it on facebook and youtube and uh even twitch stuff like that just to kind of get the band exposure so definitely grateful for all the people out there sharing the stuff around yeah, it's neat to see, you know, like I said, it, between the way an album was made 30 years ago to the, you know, to the approach you guys take now, you know, as opposed to, you know, going to the, you know, the record company and saying, please give me, you know, $3 million so I can go to, you know, Calgary for three, or Vancouver for three months to make an album. And then you're in debt, you're torn, your rear ends off trying to pay the record company back yeah. to hear, you know, the completely different paradigm that becomes, you know, what it takes to break a band. In, in 2017, so it's, it's fascinating. I appreciate you indulging those questions. Um, I, I must ask, uh, notably, I, I happened to catch Phil X uh, a few months ago in Pittsburgh. Um, how did you guys come to work with him? Or are you guys kind of sending him nasty texts for going out there and, and, and hitting the big time with with his current gig? Or how has that been? Oh, no, we've we've been tight with Phil for a number of years. Uh, it's funny we like uh, we seem to attract Canadians for some reason, which is really bizarre. It's the hockey. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's probably the hockey. <laughs> so uh, we uh, about ten or eleven years ago we met uh, Randy, who is our drummer of all mm-hmm. the things. Um, and Randy 
is actually a bit of a heavy in uh, well here as well, but in Canada he's a super session heavy and has, he's was in some awesome bands, uh, rock bands back in the day. And uh, he so he and Phil have been tight for ages. So we met Phil um, uh, oh, about five or six years ago, and we've been working with him on different projects and everything. And when we started um, messing around with this All Good Things project, we we're like, dude, you got to come in and play, you know, play some stuff and it was it was just so much fun because he's you know he just brings such a crazy energy to you know to guitars and everything and he's got a beautiful voice as well so um, yeah you know whenever he's in town he um, comes in and we play together we write together we hang out and uh, you know so whenever we can whenever we can catch him when he's off tour from Bon Jovi is is when we grab him and um, but we're so so stoked so excited for him to to be out with Bon Jovi it's just awesome. Yeah, it would be nice to see maybe uh, him pulling some double duties and you guys doing some opening dates. That would be, uh, I think, it's some great exposure. I twist his arm for that one. I, was... <laughs> I don't know how John would feel about yeah, all yeah. the things I think. Trying to give Phil but... a call after this uh, interview. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Can, I, can I ask just for those who might, you know, we mentioned Spotify. Um, can you explain what Battle Rock is? Uh, you know, are those just some tracks you guys had done before the All the Good Things mantra came, or what? What exactly was Battle Rock? Well, when we started out just writing songs, we um, yeah, we were writing songs, um, you know, messing around, recording them, and uh, we started having uh, people approach us, um, like people from WWE, uh, people from uh, like trailer houses, you know, for like uh, videos and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they just loved the music and wanted to use it for licensing, so... Um, so we're like fantastic. Uh, such a great way to get it out to to people, and you know, a great way to like make some money and um, you know get the music moving forward. And um, then we uh, started uh, working with uh, this company called Extreme Music, and they basically um, you know collect music from artists all over the world, and uh, you know get uh, get the music on TV shows, you know, mm. TV themes in movies, all that kind of stuff. And so they um, wanted to put together like a bunch of the All Good Things tracks that we'd made and um, release them under the title Battle Rock to kind of, you know, for people out okay. there looking for music that, uh, yeah, yeah, so that's where the Battle Rock title came from. And yeah. we're like, yeah, I guess, I guess yeah, it's Battle Rock, like, you know? The Battle Rock stuff was just the beginning of the band. It was All Good Things. Like in, in the beginning, we were trying to work out, you know, it, it, we just oh, had the idea of writing cool, epic, heavy stuff, and we didn't know if it would become a real touring band. It was just kind sure. of testing the water so it was just like she said wrote a bunch of songs people ended up liking them we wanted to get them out you know exposure film tv whatever we could get so that kind of just became battle rock which was all good things but it was just branded as battle rock so once the band started to develop more we became more comfortable to be like oh let's just start releasing all good things records and you know do the real band thing start touring so uh, yeah, that was that was the baby band. That was the beginning. The battle rock. Excellent. Well, thank you for clarifying that. Well, guys, uh, the new album is available now. Uh, again, it, Machines is, is fantastic. I have to admit that the cover art is uh, 
perfect. I think it, it's so um, it's almost a haunting image, you know. Here on Halloween, when we speak, it's it's a perfect <laughs> yeah, exactly. perfect image for that. Uh, as a person who has a weird phobia of gas masks, that one really caught my attention. Uh, yeah. But I wish you guys all the best. Hopefully, we'll see you on the road uh, before not too long. Uh, maybe opening for Bon Jovi in 2018 if we can uh, pull <laughs> some car, pull some tricks. All right, a big thank you to All Good Things. That album, Machines, is out now, so you can get that. And as a reminder, you can get Pretty Boy Floyd's Public Enemies on December 1st from Frontier Records. So, as I promised at the top of the show, kind of a diverse set of bands, but uh, both, I think, really, really cool. Uh, depending on what kind of music you like, or maybe you like them both. So, hope you enjoyed it. You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube are all forward slash ironcityrocks. You can email us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Suggestions for bands. If you're in a band interested in being on the show, let us know. We'd love to hear from you guys. And until next time, hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. Mm-hmm.